What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Listen, I don't coach for trophies. It's amazing to get trophies. But I don't coach for trophies. I coach to change these kids' lives. And to challenge them. And to believe in them. And to be a mentor for life for these kids. Competing in anything gets you where you want to go. I don't care if it's business. I don't care what it is. Go find the best. Try to latch on to them. Or find the best next person. And go learn from them. This is the Reform Sports Project, a podcast about restoring healthy balance and perspective in all areas of sport through education and advocacy. Hi, this is Nick Bonacore from the Reform Sports Project podcast. Joining me today is Coach Dan Mulrooney, head football coach at Anne Maria College. Named the 2021 ECFC Coach of the Year, Coach Mulrooney took a team that finished 1-9 back in 2016 and transformed them into a powerhouse, leading them to their first conference championship and NCAA playoff berth in 2021. Dan, thanks for hopping on, Coach. Appreciate you, man. Yeah, thanks, Nick. This is amazing. I'm really honored to be on the podcast with you. You're doing a great job, really highlighting some great things, so I appreciate it. I know your voice isn't perfect. You just came off of a freaking unbelievable season. Recap us real quick on where your football team is now, what you just accomplished, and we'll kind of dive in. Yeah, man. I mean, we literally went worst to first in about three seasons. Uh, It's one of those Cinderella stories. It's really just just an amazing feat. I'm not boasting my own uh, horn here too much, but, you know, I came into the program in 2017. The program had 17 players total. 17 total players at a college. 17 total players at a college. The, the previous coach had got fired in the middle of the season. Uh, they started the program in 2009 and never really got it off their feet. We had 17 players at the school when I had my first team meeting. And I looked around and I said, you know what, this is going to be a hell of a story. And, you know, three years later, he got 100 freshmen, you know, 100 sophomores, 100 juniors, and really built it the right way. And then this season here, we just went 7-2 and two and, and got to the NCAA playoffs, became conference champs. So just an unbelievable story. Uh, super proud of, of my coaches, my players, uh, the school, and just sticking with it, just perseverance, determination, one of those things you read about or you, or you see in the movies. Man, this is awesome. There's a couple of things I want to dig in here. First of all, congratulations to you and the staff and the players. Man, I see the pictures, the tweets. I mean, you, the, the energy is ridiculous. You can just see the joy these young men and, and coaches and yourself obviously creating memories for life. But, you know, first, a little background about you. One of the best players ever played in the state of Connecticut, certainly in our area growing up, uh, Waterbury. Went to BC, went to Stony Brook, played at a high level. You know, obviously one of the best players in the state of Connecticut at that time. So success and working and being gritty is something you're not unfamiliar with but I gotta tell you you know I'm pretty sure this was your first head coaching job you look at a roster 17 players what the hell made you take the job yeah you know I was a young guy I was 27 years old I had just started coaching my first job with Chris Robertson at WPI got out of Stony Brook after my playing career didn't know exactly what to do after school it was an idea that when it was presented to me I said you know what if someone could do it it could be me um it was exciting to take it as a young guy. I think I was the youngest head coach in the country at the time. But, you know, I think it's just something that you really just embody, you know, something that you just 
it felt right at the time when I took it. And was it scary? 100%. You know, it could be your last head coaching job. A lot of people said, I can't win there, can't do it. And that motivated me. As a person, I know you, you know me. I'm an ultra competitor in every sense of the word. It's just, you know, something that, that drove me, I think, is the key. One thing I really want to dig in with you here, when I see those pictures, when I see the video on your, on your school's Twitter feed and the football feed, and of course yours, the joy, man, the camaraderie, the love that not only you guys have, but the kids have for each other. And I know from my experience, man, I've been on losing teams. I was fortunate to be on a national championship team in college. And when I got there, the head coach at the time, Mike Fox, Hall of Famer, coach at University of North Carolina for 20 plus years, a legend in baseball. He had built this culture where it didn't need to be said by him, right? The seniors, the juniors, like when I came in as a freshman, you just kind of fell in line. I don't even know how to explain it other than it was just, you just go there and you expect to win. I think if you've been ever been a part of that, you know, it's really hard to express in words. You just kind of fall in line, but how do you build that? Right? So it sounds to me, and I look at your pictures with these kids, I'm like, man, they got a culture here. How do you get them to buy in? How do you build that team chemistry, that camaraderie? Yeah, I think, you know, you nailed on the head, Nick. I mean, don't explain your philosophy. Embody it. Live it. The best way to be a leader is to lead by example. You have to have this energy that just exudes out of you. On Friday night before the game, it was senior day. We had 24 seniors. We had an emotional three-hour meeting. Every senior talked. Emotions were high. How much love and passion we have for the game. When I recruit players, the first thing I ask them over anything else is, how much do you love football? And if the thing that I have their mouth is, I can't live without it, I tell them not to come here. I want players that love it, like really love it and with passion and not love like a like a noun, but love like a verb. You know, what are they willing to sacrifice? What are they willing to give, you know, to me, to the program, to the t- to the game? And that's really what you need to be a college athlete. It doesn't matter the level you play. It matters how much you're willing to give. I think that the emotions that you saw on the videos, those are real, man. I mean, the confetti going up, the crying, the love, the sharing, the culture. To me, culture is an oversaid word, I think, in sports. To me, culture is if you speak the same language with someone, right? If I went to France and obviously I'm speaking English, you know, I'm not part of that culture, you know, but if you come into our program and you talk about ring the bell and you talk about the key words that we use and you talk about family, and you talk about the things that we use in our program, we all speak the same language every single day and we're connected to each other and connected teams win championships. I've been a part of four championship teams, um, you know, when we're all, all in one big group chat together and we're all talking every day and. Those are the special things that make it. And I think that's why we won. Man, I, I'm getting goosebumps. I was fortunate to be a part of two championship teams and everything you're saying, I'm like, man, I know that feeling. And I think until you go through that, it's really hard to, it's just, it's something special. It's being a part of something greater than yourself. And I try to preach that, but it's an interesting time, right? A lot sure. of the scene, and I'm talking about the youth amateur scene, may not be specifically for football, maybe, but there's a lot of showcasing going on. I got to get mine. I got to put myself on a pedestal to get seen. How do you manage that as a 15, 16, 17-year-old kid going on social media so that you can be seen while at the same time being a team guy? I mean, is it possible, you know, to be someone out there self-promoting, but at the same time being all in for your team? Yeah, I think it's who, who taught you the game, right? What, what youth coach, what high school coach, you know, really taught you the game, how you were raised, I think is such an important aspect. It's very hard for these young kids, these young people in society today when everything's instant gratification. I think the hardest part, you know, obviously I fell in love with Division Three sports, obviously coaching here the last Division Three the last nine years. But before that, I didn't know much about it, obviously being at the higher level, the FBS programs, FCS. Um, 
I think it's a lot to do with how you're raised, you know, what you're looking for in sports. I think a lot of the young people right now are interested in going D1. Um, the preferred walk-on deals are, you know, interesting to me. That preferred walk-on thing is something that I will never quite understand and who invented that I don't really understand either. I think it's like going to a, a place to buy some clothes and saying, you know what, it's not just 100 bucks; it's actually $200 for you. And it actually doesn't fit you. Do you still want it? And people saying yes. You know, it, it doesn't make a lot of sense in that regard. Like, the going somewhere where it doesn't fit you. You have to go to a place where the coaches talk your language, where the coaches are going to lead you in mentorship. Because college is about growth and self-improvement. That's all it is. No one's going to remember if you're played or not in 10 years. No one's going to care about that stuff. But what they're going to care about is how were you mentored, who challenged you, who believed in you, and who loved you throughout the process. And I think, you know, that's what we have here. I think that's what I do on a daily basis. I want to be the coach I never had. I had a lot of great coaches throughout the time I played and, and coached, but you know, I think those things are important and understanding that the people make the place and that the fit has to make sense. You know, don't go to a place just because they have a nice weight room or a nice field, you know, go to a place because the fit is right. And I think that's what parents need to understand throughout the process. You bring up a great point, the whole D1 or bus thing. I love talking about this and it's interesting because, yeah. you know, um, I was a D3 guy and I chose my school for a multitude of reasons. Um, number one, it was a championship caliber program at the D3 sure. level and, and I got to play for legendary coaches and all that, but it was perfect for me. I remember looking at it my freshman year and I remember going to watch the team play as a senior. I was getting recruited and they were top three in the country and I'm watching it going, yeah, these guys are good, but I think I can compete here. Like I can play here. It felt like I had to push myself, but I felt like, all right, worst case scenario, I think if I have to come in as a freshman and earn my stripes, I'll have three solid years of being an impact player. I really oh, think no. I can do that. I don't know how kids, I had two older brothers that played college sports and I was lucky to have parents that were, you know, rational. You know, when I say rational, like I don't even remember talking about divisions. Like I really don't. Again, this is 1997, but you were you know, one of the top athletes in the state, right? You were being recruited by Power 5 schools. Not everyone does. So how do kids get that pipe dream out of their mind and start getting a little realistic without feeling like they're selling themselves short? My personal opinion is to try your hardest to be the best high school football player you could be and enjoy your time. I mean, a lot of it comes down to fate, you know, to genetics, to whatever it may be. And that's, that's hard for young people to understand. Um, you know, I think the hardest part is to realize that they're not going to the NFL at a young age because, you know, you grow up your whole life and your first grade teacher says you could be an astronaut. And, you know what I mean? A lot of these kids can't be, you know, but I think there's a, there's a dream that is great to have dreams and have visions and things like that. But enjoying the process is something that they need to do. You could self-promote. You could be the best person on Instagram, have the most followers, make your own videos, things like that. But, you know, if it's meant to be, it's meant to be. And I, I do believe that if you're the best player in the state, if you're the best player in your high school team, you end up running a 4-4 and go to camps and go to clinics and, and get noticed a little better. There's definitely going to be more opportunities. So I'm not selling anyone short on dreams or, or visions or anything like that. But, you know, at the end of the day, playing at the next level should be the top priority, not where you play. I mean, the next level is the next level regardless. And whatever fit is best for you and for your family, and depending on the location and how it can help your future and the right price, I think is the key. So it's being realistic, but it's also working hard to achieve as high as you can go. A topic that comes up, I love talking about it. And I have always preached, and I say this to my kids, like, don't be concerned when, oh, coach is on my back. Coach won't stop nagging me. He's saying I'm not doing this or not doing that or whatever. I'm like, dude, get concerned when coach isn't saying a word. 
Yeah. You know, like when a coach is correcting or pushing you out of your comfort zone in a positive way, I don't mean like physically pushing. What I'm saying is, you know, challenging you to get better, you know, challenge you to become more disciplined, to be more focused. Take it as a compliment. When you talk about love for your players as a coach, do those things, meaning challenging kids, try to get the most out of them. Is that love? I agree 100%. I, I look at love as not a noun, but a verb, right? I said that before. Love is how much you're willing to give, right? How much you're willing to trust. And I think trust in, in what you're able to give another person. I end almost every conversation with my players that I meet with one-on-one with, I love you, man. He said, I love you too, coach. And it's not, you know, the soft, I love my wife. It's the, I trust you. I'm willing to give you everything. I got your back. You know, and I, and I think that's such an important aspect as a coach, I mean, your number one job is to challenge them, like you said before. It's to challenge them, to believe in them, and to love them. And I think those three things get all contorted when you're so focused on the results, you know, and you're focused on championships. Listen, I don't coach for trophies. It's amazing to get trophies. But I don't coach for trophies. I coach to change these kids' lives and to challenge them and to believe in them and to be a mentor for life for these kids. I was so emotional Friday night when I was talking to my players because I said, I hope you call me in 10 years when you get married. I hope you call me when you buy a house. I hope I'm part of your life forever. I'm getting emotional talking about it now, to be yeah. honest, Nick. Um, I want to be part of these kids' lives forever. I'm indebted to them for sticking with me for five years. And that relationship, and I know you know this, that relationship you have with your top coach or your favorite coach, I mean, that's there's no beating that. That's lifelong. you know. And I think I tell my team all the time, the gratification of this championship, it was in the doing, it wasn't in the results, you know? And the reason we care so much is because we failed for so long, you know? Mm-hmm. We endured so much and, and it was so, it was just like God is good type thing of, and we're a talented team, obviously talent wins games and stuff like that. that. That stuff takes care of itself, but the actual connectiveness we have together, how much love, trust, family, I guess you have to be here to, to embody it, but I hope you saw a little glimpse of it from the pictures. That's Dan Mulrooney, head football coach at Anne Maria College. When we come back, Coach and I will discuss the importance of resilience and hard work and his advice to high schoolers looking to play football in college. Welcome back to the Reform Sports Project podcast, where Coach Mulrooney and I left off. We were about to dive into the lessons learned when a player isn't given the playing time they feel they deserve, as well as coach's advice for how you can be the best at what you do, both on and off the field. I hear it all the time, right? And it's something that I talk about a lot, and I think you can't talk about it enough because as a parent, I know you're a new parent, and uh, you and your wife, congratulations. And, and- I appreciate it. You'll be going through this stuff here soon at some point. And it is easier to go through failure as an individual, as me or as you, than it is to watch your child. I mean, it is. But I think as a parent, my sports experience and knowing I've had to endure certain challenges and and go through bumps in the road. But having now been on the other side, it's easy to go, wow, I needed that or I learned from that. But it's so easy. And it's not just easy to try to put a pillow so your kid doesn't fall down every time to protect them, which in many ways we're supposed to do. But also, how do we look at sports and say, hey, it's okay if you're not starting on this team. We're not jumping ship. There's a lesson to be learned here because on one end, you have 
all these showcases, clubs, and teams going, hey, you got to get in the field. You got to get seen. You got to get seen. So it's like on one shoulder, a parent's getting pushed when you got to get in the field. You got to do this. Otherwise, your kid's going to get left behind. And then you got Coach Mulrooney, Nick Bonacore, and every other damn coach I've interviewed saying, failure's good. Who do you trust? Who do you believe? Can you talk about that? Yeah. I would I think it's hard to stay super focused and have positive energy when no one's clapping for you. And that's happened to me. I've never lost ever as a coach. And, you know, I come here and no one clapped for me for three years. And to stay positive, to stay focused, just trust the process. It's coach verbs. I get that. But at the same time, it's it's resilience. I think life's, I heard this quote and I love it. Life's not about holding all the good cards, but playing a poor hand well. I don't know if you're a poker guy. No, but, but I hear what you're saying. It's, listen, I didn't have the best talent in high school. I worked at it. You know what I mean? I worked at it. I didn't start as a freshman in high school. I played freshman football. You know, I was one of the best players ever to play in Connecticut, but I played freshman football, maybe a little JV, sophomore year. I then played varsity because I worked at it, but I was bummed out my freshman year. I have these conversations every day. The number one reason why players quit football in my program, we can win a championship this year. It should be all glitz and glamour, but it's about playing time. Coach, I'm happy we won. We won five games in a row, but I quit because I'm not playing. And it's, it's disheartening. It's hard to hear. I understand it because I was a player that didn't get the most playing time sometimes at Boston College or at Stony Brook or wherever I was. But you know what? The lessons you learn throughout the process, it's taught me so much about my life. You know what I mean? And I think it's so hard to sit there and watch. And I'm sure as a parent, it's even harder. Um, and, I, and I'll learn that one day soon. Mm -hmm. But the absolutes, you know, a lot of it's fate, a lot of it's this and that. But the playing time aspect is hard. It's very hard for a player to sit and wait his time. But listen, everyone has to do it, and that's part of sports. It's a great point, man. And there's lessons to be learned through that. Coach, you got the mic. You know, I want you to take as much time as you need. But there are a lot of people out there sharing their advice to kids, you know, on social media, right? Telling them how to get looks, how to get seen. Here you are, someone who played at the highest level of college football, is now coaching a championship team at the D3 level. Your career is, you know, obviously skyrocketing. You've built something from the ground. You have all the experience. What can these kids do to get on Dan Mulrooney's radar and Maria College or any program? How can they set themselves up, high school athletes, to get to the next level, to get seen, and then to be able to have success? That's a loaded question, but I'm going to try to answer it the best I can. Um, be the best person that you could be and improve on daily things. I don't think you have to worry about being extraordinary in anything. I think you have to worry about doing the ordinary things better than everybody else. You know, if, if you're focused on running a 4-1, you're not going to run a 4-1. You know, you have to work on making mini goals every day, creating that and having that experience of trying to hit those goals throughout. And you have to be focused. And, you know, I think the biggest thing for me, I think growing up through it, obviously it was a different age, no Instagram, no Facebook, no recruiting websites, things like that. But now that there is that, I see the experience of that. If you're blessed enough to go to camps, to go to clinics, to learn and to really to experience the best, you have to go against the best to experience it. I'll tell one quick story and I'll let you go. But I thought I was the best football player to ever grace God's earth when I was in high school. When I was a, when I was a junior in high school. Nothing wrong with anyone, confidence, coach. Nothing wrong with Never confidence. met anyone better than me. <laughs> I went to a camp at UConn. went to Randy Edsel football camp. I met Aaron Hernandez. I went against him, and I couldn't cover him. And I was like, what the heck is this? I, uh, I've never met a person I couldn't cover or couldn't run by. And for five hours straight, me and him did one-on-ones by ourselves. All summer, we worked out every day together. I got better because I found the best competition. Find the best competition. Me and you are also blessed because we had older brothers. 
I never played with a kid my age until I hit Pop Warner. I think that was a huge piece of my, my development was always playing with a person four years older than me. Competition is key in life. If you have a mentor, if you look for someone to look up to, to train with, to look for, that's obviously older or better than, you're going to experience a different thing. You always have to find the best person in the room and latch on to them, no matter who it is. Get out of your comfort zone to go find the best person in your field, whoever it is, right? When I was a coach three years ago, I went to Ohio State. I drove all the way out there to go knock on the door and see if I could sit there for a week with Ryan Day and Urban Meyer and those guys. And I did. And they let me sit there for a week. That's freaking awesome, dude. And I watched them for a week. I didn't want to leave. I was so excited to be with them. But I found out how the best do it, right? And, and I think that's the competitiveness that you need because competing in anything gets you where you want to go. I don't care if it's business. I don't care what it is. Go find the best. Try to latch on to them or find the best next person and go learn from them. If you can get that done, find the best player in your state, start working out with them, you're going to become better. That's my advice. That's Dan Mulrooney, head football coach at Anne Maria College. Thanks for listening to the Reform Sports Project podcast. I'm Nick Bonacore, and our goal is to restore a healthy balance and perspective in all areas of sport through education and advocacy. For updates, please follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, or check out our website by searching for the Reform Sports Project.